Cotney Construction Law is dedicated to helping the construction industry in legal, risk, and safety challenges. Welcome to this week's Law & Mortar with John Kenny and Trent Cotney. Welcome to another episode of Law & Mortar. I think this is our seventh episode. John, as always, I want to welcome you. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. A lot of different uh, issues have come up since last time we talked. And um, I guess I always want to start off with maybe a little bit of history, talk about, um, you know, one type of roofing system and then kind of go into some of the other things from there. So um, I guess, tell me, tell me what's on your mind, John. Well, we got a roof report coming out this week on uh, some techniques we've modified. It's a part one of a two. So we're going to cover mainly the SBS is cold and hot applied. They're a big portion of the marketplace uh, right now in both uh, Europe, uh, Canada, and the United States. So they're, they're worldwide. A lot of people uh, think that Modifieds are a fairly new product, which in the lifespan of roofing, they are. But actually, original Modified uh, dates back to Scandinavia in 1929. And the modifier that they used uh, to mix with the asphalt was actually whale oil, believe it or not. And uh, they got a patent on it, even though the original patent has been destroyed. But there is a historical record that that was the first modified roofing uh, introduced into the industry. So it took quite a few years. It really didn't catch on full speed till the 60s in Europe and introduced in the 70s in the United States, but it was really about the mid 80s before it became a commonplace uh, you know, roofing option. So I thought it was pretty interesting to know that we have roots almost, what, 90, 91 years? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, and that's one of the things that, that we're starting to see more and more, you know, with uh, the um, International Federation of roofing trades that we belong to, it's really interesting to talk to people over in Germany and Switzerland and, you know, all these different countries, um, you know, even though a lot of the stuff is very similar to what we do, they do have a very um, different st styles of, of um, how they go about doing things, how they approach things, their training and the types of roof systems that are used. So that's that's very interesting to hear about uh, mixing well oil. I never, never thought about that. Um, so tell me, you know, you, You've had some experience with the system itself. Um, what are some of the common installation problems that roofing contractors face when installing? Well, a big thing with uh, modified membranes is giving them enough time to relax. You want to make sure like with any type of a built-up system, because um, modified is really just an alternative to the traditional built-up and still built-up system. You always want to make sure everything's standing on end. You don't have crush rolls because that's all going to show. Um, on the, you know, and they either have a polyester or fiberglass, either total or mixed in between the sheets. So elongation changes a lot. So you want to give them a chance to open them up, let them sit before you put them down. Because if you don't, you're going to end up with blistering and bulges and so on. Other tip is, uh, you know, and like any other roof system is to take your time and install it correctly. Um, I know Recently, in the last couple of years, even with SBSs can be torched or asphalt, even though it's more common to asphalt them, but they're torching them. A lot of center ridges, uh, and also you get what they call roll ridges as it goes every two or three feet. That usually comes from uneven torch temperatures, so that's something that has to be watched. Um, and when you're mopping them in, um, you want to be very careful as a lot of overlap of asphalt. You want to get just enough bleed out that you can put your granule base on and it covers it, but you don't want too much. And again, Cold weather temperature uh, areas, uh, even though now it's summer pretty much everywhere, but winter is only around the corner. You got to take you know, special care. It's like any other 
uh, built up type system, you know, once you start to get below 40 degrees, uh, you know, you got to make a judgment call whether you can or cannot actually put the system down. You know, it's, it's interesting from the legal side, the stuff that, that we normally get has to deal with a lot of what you just said, problems with the finished uh, workmanship. It's either, you know, blistering, um, you know, cracking, bubbling, that kind of stuff. And one of the things I like to do contractually is that if you have that, you know, um, maybe you've got an isolated problem because the temperature wasn't correct or it might be too cold outside or whatever the issue is, what I like to do contractually is, is specify in the warranty the types of problems that you may experience um, as a result of installing that kind of project and then tie that into the warranty to make sure that you're educating the customer. One of the things that that a lot of roofing contractors don't understand is that the contract itself, it provides a lot of legal basis to help you prosecute claims and defend against claims. But really the primary purpose is to educate your customer. You know, it's, it's a great thing if you've got, um, you know, a modified system you're putting down and, you know, you can expect that there's gonna be a couple issues you're gonna have to go back over and handle, it just happens, right? So what better way to explain that than up front saying, look, we're gonna put the system on. If there's any issues, you know, we go through this inspection process, it's covered by your warranty. Here it is where it specifically says that and you go into it a little bit more detail, okay? We all know that the best way to avoid disputes is maintaining that customer relationship, right? Customer service is always the first line of defense and your contract is that trench that you fall back into. So um, on those types of systems, especially if you're in a cold, uh, a cold climate or it's gotten in the winter, I like to specifically kind of call out some of the stuff in the warranty, just so that I'm being proactive and help educating and managing the customer's expectations. Um, John, I want to turn a little bit to something uh, not related to modified, but something that I've been getting a lot of, and I know that our other lawyers have seen, seen a lot of this, and that is residential contractors, roofing contractors that are dealing with uh, chimneys, okay? And uh, there's a couple of different issues that I face, okay? One is uh, improper flashing. Um, and I'll, I'll ask you, you know, what the proper way is to flash that. And the second is, is a lot of times you get into having to recreate portions of the chimney and you start delving into structural, okay? And you start getting into to work that may go beyond, depending on, you know, which state you're in, uh, your license capability or your skill set capability. And uh, one of the things that I like to do is make sure that if you are going to be doing that kind of stuff and you know that it comes up, you either address it ahead of time in your contract or before you get to it, you address it in a change order. Okay, you, this is the kind of thing, I know most residential contracts, you don't have changes, it's all time materials, I got that. But there's a lot of liability that happens because of improper flashing or improper install or repair of chimneys. So John, you know, what's been your experience with, with uh, chimneys on projects and what kind of things have you seen? Well, you know, depends on this, the construction of the chimney. Uh, there's brick chimneys. Uh, we do run into a lot of stucco chimneys, especially in the South. And in other parts of the country and around the world, you run into stone chimneys. Um, honestly, on stone chimneys, there, there's not a whole lot of guidance on that. You got to do the best you can because usually stones are cut in and out and it's hard to rake the joints to do it properly. So you may have to do a compression with the flashing going up and then a compressed type uh, surface mounted counter flashing. Sometimes that's unavoidable. But on a uh, brick type chimney, the best way is always with step flashing and, uh, you know, cut out your grout line and your brick 
and make sure the flashing returns into the chimney, into the brick, and then, uh, you, know, re, you know, you pin it and then either regrout it or, or caulk it, you know, what a good grade caulking works and acceptable in the, in the marketplace. Stucco, this is the most painful one, um, not only affects on residential so much as the chimney, as it also does if you're going up against a stucco wall. So that's another one I'm sure you've run into a lot. There's really no other way around it, even, and you want to address this in the front, like you say, with the contract, you really should be cutting that stucco back and you should be putting in a stucco stop underneath and patching the stucco. If you don't, it will probably leak. And I know I've spoke to a lot of roofers that say, well, you know, we can't afford to put that in. We won't get the job. Well, I know most people who don't address it in the front end with the customer ends up always coming back to us, Trent, on the legal side because it's leaking and now you've got $1,000, $2,000 worth of ceiling damage. So, you know, it might only been two, $300 on the front end with the customer. That should be addressed up front. Yeah, and you, you raised a couple interesting things there. You know, California and Florida in particular, we've seen huge uptick in roofing contractors getting sued as a result of stucco claims. And normally, here's how it happens. You've got a plaintiff's contingency type lawyer that gets with homeowners primarily in a subdivision improvement. They sue the prime contractor who then brings in you, the roofer, uh, the windows guy, the stucco person, the you name it. They bring in five or six different trades that were out there. And, you know, 99 times out of 100, the roofing contractor has absolutely nothing to do with it. But stucco cracks are the new asbestos for um, contingency lawyers. They look for this kind of stuff, and it's something that you really want to watch out for. So addressing that on the front end, thinking about shifting liability back to the owner, having the owner contract separately with someone to repair the chimney. Okay, take it out of your scope altogether. Uh, and let me give you a real world story. This was right before COVID hit. It was probably February, right before IRE. I had a, uh, a roofing contractor, a good friend of mine call and their crew was uh, out on a job, um, putting on a, a shingle roof and was tasked with um, taking off the old chimney and putting on new one or, or fixing it. Part of that problem is they, they pushed the chimney off and ended up collapsing through a part of the deck that had already been rotten. And then you've got a significant claim on your hands, okay? And it's, it is, if, you're, if you have crews that do the same thing every single day, day in and day out, and you have something that's out of the norm, like let's say a chimney, which, you know, may or may not be a problem, you want to make sure that you're preparing them in advance and that you're talking about those kinds of things. You know, all it takes is 15, 20, 30 minutes of being proactive, explaining it, maybe even doing a quick mock-up, something that explains how to go about doing this so that you don't end up with these problems on the back end. That's, that's the real goal. So John, what, what do we have in the future here? I know we've, we've got some great things uh, going on expansion wise. Um, you know, we have, uh, we'll be in the process of opening our Montreal office here in September. I know yep. we recently expanded to uh, Tacoma uh, in Washington. And uh, I'm real happy to announce that, uh, you know, we put out the announcement today that Kathy uh, has joined us as a, great lawyer in Chicago. So we're, we're looking forward to uh, continuing to beef up our presence there. So on your end, what, what uh, can the audience look forward to? What kind of great things are you working on? Well, we got uh, feet on the ground in a couple of our offices as far as working with the consulting side. Um, so we're expanding there, um, really touching base with a lot of the roofing organizations uh, um, and working with the IFD over in Europe. Uh, it's, they're actually cutting me a break on my next call. They're starting a little bit later. That's usually about a 3 a.m. Eastern time call, but I, I enjoy working with that group very, very much. We're working on some uh, 
it's not so much code over there to call commissions of standards, which is very similar to the codes here in the states. And so I'm working on two committees over there, working one on roof pitch, which they call gradient over there, and the other one is on waterproofing and drainage details. So that, that's really exciting stuff that's going to come out towards the end of the year. Um, we're also expanded into Canada along with it, along with the law side. And we have a lot of stuff going on in technology. Um, I'll tell you, you got to keep following us. Everybody needs to follow us on our pages because every week there's something new going on and it's always growing on top of what we've already done. So we have a lot of roof reports coming out and technology stuff too, a lot coming up. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously if you guys have any questions or you want us to talk about a specific subject, you know, please feel free to reach out to either one of us, Jay Kinney, that's K-E-N-N-E-Y at CottonyCL.com or tcottony at CottonyCL.com. We did have somebody reach out um, from our last uh, Law & Mortar, and I promised them I would answer this question. So here's the question that was presented. They said um, they have a lot of people working from home now, and they wanted to know what they can do to control their technology that they give them. So many of them, we're talking to you right now on laptops. You may have desktops that you've loaned out. You may have cell phones, all those types of things. Well, what we recommend is that you look at your employee manual and make sure you've got a managed technology or a shared technology policy. And what that allows you to do is it allows your IT people, whether it's in-house or out, out of your company, to actively manage that technology. Okay, so it allows you to go in, there's no privacy risk. They, don't have, they can't assert privacy because you have set it in the policy. You can see what they're doing. You can monitor it. You can make sure that they've got the required virus protection, firewall protection, all that kind of critical stuff. Absolutely essential that you have this policy given COVID-19. Uh, any other questions on that or you want a deeper dive, feel free to give us a call. So, John, going to wrap it up there. As always, brothers, pleasure. And uh, stay tuned for next time. We'll, uh, we'll have some great topics for you guys. Thank you. Talk to you then.